You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Yeah. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. You already know in this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate empower and inspire our current and future generation leaders and always i got a show for you i just want to get you a quick 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 updates before we jump on to the show first and foremost this show is phenomenal like this show is phenomenal my boy george Hans jr is dropping gems i want to be real though we do talk about religion in the context as well as um, we go, we go. He's very personal in, in regards to his relationships and stuff like that. So, yo, this is this is legit. So, we have children listening to this episode. You may want to listen to it with them, and um, we just come from a real honest perspective and just share a lot of topics. And it's open episode, of course. But I just want to put that out there, FYI. This is a real, real deal conversation. It's still PG thirteen, right? But I just want to let you know. Also, too. If you've been listening on iTunes, you haven't left the review, shame on you. Go ahead, stop. Just stop right now. Leave a review. Um, also, also, remember, trailblazersuniversity.com. Make sure you go sign up to find more information about what, what's coming next in 2019. Like, I'm really, really excited. So if you haven't already, go to trailblazersuniversity.com to find out more about the new platform that we are developing specifically for my podcast audience and people that want to continue to change the culture and learn from those people of color that are changing the culture themselves. I really don't got nothing to, to nothing deep to really talk about before we jump into the show. So we're just going to jump into the show, man. Uh, oh, side note, thank y'all so much for coming and joining the Mastermind program. It's full. We ready. We excited. We ready to go. And we're going to start 2019 on fire. I'm going to have a, probably next couple episodes uh, share with y'all the link for the wait list for the mastermind program for next year. But yo, we got, we locked in. I got my first group and we're going to get it in, man. So thank you so much for everybody for your continuous, your continuous, your continuous support in everything that we have done thus far. And we wouldn't be here without you. Like we're closing in on a million dollars. I mean, I wish a million dollars, a million downloads. And we wouldn't be here without you, man. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into the show. I'm excited. Like I'm literally excited. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. I'm pumped up. I'm excited because this dude, uh, shoot, I remember, remember we was in class together back in the day at AT, man. And he's doing some phenomenal work. I've been peeping his journey for the last couple years. Um, I've learned a lot from him from afar. So I get a chance to not only interview and learn and grow myself, but also to share kind of what he's learned, share his story and everything else. 
And I think it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal episode, man. So I'm going to read a snippet, snippet of his bio, and then we're going to jump right into it. Uh, he's a man who has a true desire to see people grow in love as well as understanding why they struggle to find true love they desire. He is a believer, a thinker, an author, and his book, Strong Boys, Fragile Man, is now available on Amazon. We'll talk more in depth about that as we get we begin the show. But without further ado, I would like to introduce my brother, my dog, George Hines Jr. to my Nobody Trailblazer podcast, man. Welcome to the show. Absolutely, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Man, I'm excited to get it popping, man. So uh, before we even jump it off, we always start the show off with a quote, man, or a mantra that you live by, and they give us a story about how you apply that quote or mantra to your everyday life, man. So take us off. Absolutely. Uh, my quote is uh, by Winston Churchill. is truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it. Ignorance may deride it. But in the end, there it is. And I just, um, for me, man, I've always wanted to be free. I've always wanted to be liberated. And the one thing that's constant throughout this universe is the truth. And am I bold enough to accept it? Am I diligent enough to continually seek it? Mm. What's the last time that you were confronted to, to with the with the story outside of? Cause we're going to jump right into your story and everything else. But over the last. A uh, couple months have you been on this entrepreneurial journey and just growing as a person. What's the last time you had to really t- live by that quote? Uh, like when when you're digging into which direction you want to go in. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's all as an entrepreneur, there's always a feeling of this is what I want to do. But then there's a reality of, hey, this is what's working. And what you want to do is not really working right now. So you got to be man enough to take this route until you can get to that next level. And that was one of the toughest things I had to deal with because I um, you want to be passionate about what you do. You don't want to just do what's functional right now. But a large part of entrepreneurship for me has been, hey, man, be willing to grind out what's working so you can get to the level that you truly want to be at. Mm. And if you can share with the audience and if it, if it collides with your, your journey, you can just save it. But I, I think you were getting somewhere like what where, what were you doing that you were passionate about but wasn't really working? And then what you shift? So I'm passionate about young kids. Like yep. I'm, I'm really passionate about the youth. And I was I was training kids. I was doing some mentoring. But at the same time, it was like, yo. the area that I mean, I live in. A, I live in a time where people don't have the display disposable income to be able to pay $50 for a kid session or mm-hmm. $150 for a one-on-one one-hour session. And I was like, okay, like I have this, I have my book that I'm working on. I had to really put everything on the table and figure out, okay, which opportunity here is going to give me the best chance at actually growing a brand. And that's when I pretty much put everything down and I just began to focus on my book. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy you say that because I'm, I'm, I'm really big into boxing and I watch a hella documentaries. I look at what cats do. And it's funny, like a majority of people from boxing, they come from underprivileged communities. They come from distant backgrounds. They come from a lot of stuff. And the and, you, and when you go look at their gyms, majority of the gyms that they still work at to this day are, are down riding. But it's, from, it's in the community. And a lot of times they have to blow up and become million dollar prize fighters and then they can really invest in their in their in their gyms i mean of course throughout the way they're they're helping the youth 
but the more money they make, the more impact they get on the national scale allows them to fund gyms where like they have where they used to be one on one. Now they have 50, 100 kids that they're working with, young adults that, that are off the streets. And now they have a gym that they can power on, that they can have it and they charge if anything, nominal fees. So, um, I, I definitely can't wait to jump into that, man. And it, it's crazy too. I was talking, you, you remember, you know, Woodrow, right? Yeah, I know Woodrow. Yeah, man. He's working on some, some good stuff down there in, um, in Houston. And we had a conversation last night. And I, I know in my business, I, I realized, especially this year, is in waking up about, there's a difference. It's, it's a transition that, if, especially if you're a known hustler, because I can already feel your vibe and, and knowing you from the past. It's it's different from a hustler to become a full time entrepreneur. It's difficult. It's a lot different. Yeah, it is. And because it really is. He's, he's got these kind of like I mean I'm not going. You got some people that they go to school and then they be get like a hundred grand and then they um and then uh, like a seed fund they come entrepreneur. That's cool. But the guys that used to just getting it without without structure, just okay, we're gonna hustle. We're gonna do this. It, it, it's, it's good for marketing and selling, but to become a sustainable entrepreneur is tough. And, and there's a transition from passion to adding value to people. But then the big part is that structure. Exactly. And, and even in my career, I know I've always had the passion. I've been able to add value to people way before I was getting paid to do anything. But that structure piece, hustles don't got structure. Hustles, like, hey, we just gonna make this bread a day. Yeah. And we go, uh, if it's a, a grand, cool. If it's a couple grand, cool. If you don't got nothing, boom. But the structure piece is what allows people that you know, you look online like, yo, they don't got half the talent. I mean, be real, they don't have the talent, half the realness and authenticity, but they still, they clearing over a couple hundred grand every year, easy. And it's like, what, what is the easy. gap, man? And you like, what in the world am I not, what, it's something I don't know. It, it's something you don't know, but you're not going to get there. And that's why I can't, I'm a, as we jump into this podcast, if you're not based in truth. Exactly. Because when you're truthful with yourself, you like, okay, I don't know this. How can I humble myself and get into those circles of people that do? And once I get the techniques, oh, it's a wrap. Yo, let's jump into this story, man, because uh, can you tell our audience, and this is going to really just narrate itself. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, man, before we get into your, your journey, your book, who you are, and where you come from. Uh, name George Hines Jr. And uh, I get picked on about that a lot. So I'm like, man, you got an old name. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I got named after my grandpa. So in the country, if it's a name that, that works, we just pass it down until somebody decides to change it. So <laughs> my grandpa's name was George. My daddy's name is George. He goes by our middle name, Raymond. And my name is George. Um, I grew up in the country, man. I'm family-oriented. All my aunts and uncles and cousins, we pretty much grew up on the on the same street. Like I, we we walk in the interchange houses like it's our own. If I get up right now, I can go to my uncle's house. I ain't got knock on the door. I grab some food out of his refrigerator and eat it. That's just how we've always grew up. So I've always been family oriented. I love people, and because of the country environment and and being in the Bible Belt, not only do we get a harsh a harsh dose of the truth. Like you, you become um, you become almost numb. Like you don't like you're not bothered by what well, I'd rather say. You get tough skin rather. Mm -hmm. Like you're not bothered by outside factors, man. And it has molded me in such a way that allows me to really deal with myself on a personal level and get the best out of myself. 
Mm. What do you What do you mean by that? Like you're not dealing with like like paint the picture to our audience that not necessarily from the country or can, can identify. Like what do you mean by you're you're kind of isolated in a sense in that way? So basically, what it means is like because this is our neighborhood, this is for all intents and purposes, this is my world. Mm-hmm. And my family, we are relentless. Like let's say you having a let's say you just having a bad week, lose your job, car breakdown. Family going to be like, man, I don't know why you had that rinky-dink car anyway. <laughs> t- I told you to quit that job two years ago when they was tripping on you about this. And they ain't saying, man, it's going to be all right, man. You're going to be able to do this. Prime example, I was growing up, I was a, ba- I was a baseball player, right? Mm-hmm. One particular game, I had one of the, and I'm a young kid, I had one of the worst games that you could have. And I'm crying, I'm throwing the bat, my pop snatched me up. He said, listen, you struck out all them times ain't nobody had that bad but you and if you go if you're gonna suck like that i mean he didn't say these words <laughs> i'm trying to make it sound good <laughs> if you're gonna play like this then you might as well quit and go get you some pom-poms because i ain't spending my time or money on this and i'm like in my mind i'm like hey pop like encourage me he ain't encouraged me yet and what that allowed me to do, it allowed me to start looking at stuff. I'm like, God, I know this man loved me. So what is he really trying to do? And that right there, man, once I started, to, once that started to click for me and I began to figure that out, I'm like, yo, there is no level of negativity that can pull me down in this world. Mm. Because my pops, my family, they've already primed me for what the world is going to throw at me. So everything is fuel for me. Mm. And when you say that, because I know you had um, you, you went on to have a, and we're going to talk about a, a, a pretty good baseball career and a multi-sport athlete. But how was your relationship with your father growing up? Man, it's tremendous. My pops has always been Superman. Um, only only until I grew up did I start to see in, in every in every relationship, father, son, mother, daughter, father, daughter, mother, son. There are always going to be some deficiencies that as an adult, you start to pinpoint. But growing up, man, my pops has always been the man I wanted to be. Like, if I could make him proud, then I knew that I was doing something good. It always made me strive for the highest level. I remember um, coming up, the first address I knew, and this is no joke, was 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He would always say, son, that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he really thought I was going to be the president. Mm-hmm. Or if that was just the standard that he set for my life, but that was always it. Mm. That's real, man. That's real. And to jump into the jump into your story, man, your journey. When you when you wrote your when you when you wrote your book before you wrote it, why did you like? Because I want our audience to 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 grow in this the space of building healthy relationships, not just in um woman woman man man whatever whatever your affiliation is but just in general with people and love so what was the what 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 did you have to go through to a become honest with yourself but to b then start to articulate that to the masses to encourage and inspire them it's a brutal process man i um I almost I, I went to the point where I began to entertain thoughts of suicide. Not that I would ever really kill myself. Not not you know what I'm saying. Not that I would ever kill myself, but you just start to you start thinking little crazy stuff, and you're like, yo, 
why are these things not working? Like, there have been instances where my friends weren't working out, relationships with women weren't working out, relationships with my coaches weren't working out. And I'm just like, yo, why in the world is this stuff not working? It takes you to a point, bro, where you can only look at yourself and the entire world becomes a mirror. And everywhere you turn, you begin to look at yourself and you say, you know what, if I don't change, then it doesn't matter what the person in front of me is doing. Because if there's a level of control that I have over my own life, over my own destiny, and over my own outcomes, if I won't optimize in that space, then I'm gonna I'll never be able to become victorious in life in any regard. Mm. And and before you get to that realization, like what what at what point in your life where do you entertain these thoughts where you realize stuff just wasn't right? Was this like after college and and then what what like what what was going wrong before things started to go right? I didn't realize I had a real issue, a real social relational issue until I was in college and my best friend, she and I crossed that we crossed that friend line into something a little more serious, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We uh we crossed that line and there were some things that I had done in some past relationships with some young women. And I, I just passed it off. Like, oh, they wasn't the one. Uh, she she really wasn't that big a deal to me. So it's nothing like that was all on her. I got into this relationship with my best friend. Like and this was a woman that would ride a, like she was there on every single level. The downs, the ups. She would lend me money. She would lend her car. She would lend her space, like whatever I needed. She was there to be accommodating because we were friends on that level. Mm-hmm. And it was reciprocal at the time. Mm-hmm. So when she and I crossed that line, I'm like, all right, like this is it. If there's ever an opportunity for me to prove that I can be faithful, mm-hmm. if there's ever an opportunity for me to be in relationship with a woman that I truly desire to be with, this is it. But then I started to do the exact same things, the same pattern of actions begin to um, show themselves in this relationship as well. I end up hurting her in the exact same way I was hurting these other women. And that's when I said, okay, I really have a problem. Because for some reason, we all think that if we can get the right woman, if I can get the right man, oh, if I had the right friends, then I could change. It has nothing to do with the people around you. It has everything to do with who you are. And that right there, it opened my eyes, man. And that's when I began to cry out. I'm just like, I need help. Somebody's got to help me. Somebody's got to show me a better way because this ain't it. That's real, man. And um, it's, it's crazy that when you were talking, the biggest thing that stood out to me was it's it's scary when you really have to when things are not going as planned to really, really sit down and think like, yo, I'm really messing this up. Like, it's really me because it's, it's, it's easier, it's simpler for us to, to look at others actions or whatnot. But then we got to sit down and then you're like, how do I make this change? That's when things can kind of go awry. Exactly. Exactly. And and we never want to take blame for anything, man, because we're always looking to say we're always looking to pass that responsibility off somewhere else. Mm. So once you realize like, yo, it's me what's going on, how did that change? How, like what steps did you start to make to change and how most importantly, how did that impact your life? Got you. So I started at the top. I started with God. I said it's, it's almost like a. When you got to clean your room and you're looking around and you just can't seem to figure it out. So you rip everything out, put everything on the bed. 
It was like, you know what? I'm going to put every single thing in this room on this bed, and I'm going to start from scratch. I started at the top, bro. I took God. I put him on the shelf for a second. I said, all right, God, I don't even, at this point, if you are real, I hadn't lived in any way this this acknowledging or honoring to you and to who you are. So I'm just going to put you on the table. I literally started from the scratch, bro. Everything I knew, every detail from my parents, from church, from family, I questioned everything that I had ever been taught in my life. Mm-hmm. And I began to work through it one phase at a time. So I, I entertained atheism for a while. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, maybe God ain't real. You know, the world is this and this is that. And I mean, come on, we talking about a man in the sky. like You know, so you, you ask all the questions that the atheist asks. Mm-hmm. And after some, after about three, four, five months of like continual study, I'm talking 10, 12 hours a day studying, literally day in and day. I was in Atlanta. I had moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was studying every single day and I could never put my finger on anything. I'm like, all right, there has to be something that you can stand on. Atheists have nothing to stand on. There's always another question. What is called is an infinite regression. You always get backed up by one more question and you never. And I said, OK, well, that ain't going to work because mm-hmm. I know that something's real. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what I'm saying? So I said, all right, God, you're here. I, I, you're back. Now, the question is, which God are we talking about? Are we talking Muslim faith. We talking like Sunni Shiites. We talking Hinduism. Are we talking about um, the pantheistic faith that they have like in India Like, are we talking Buddhism? What are we talking about? Is it Christianity? How do we drill down to answer these questions? And I began to work through all of those, bro, like one phase at a time. And I said, you know what? It's not that Jesus Christ was wrong. It's just that the application of his principles, they don't seem to really work in our community. Because all the Christians that we see are broke, struck. Most of the Christians we see broke struggling, complaining, satisfied with just a little bit. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want that to be my life. I'm like, guys, so if this is the route I'm going to go, you're going to have to teach me how to be an individual. I still need to be myself. I still need to be as cool as I was when I was doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I want to be wealthy. And, bro, so what that taught me was you got to think for yourself. Stop accepting what the world gives you just because it's what the world gives you. And that's when I started this journey, bro, and it changed my life. Mm, mm, mm. So let's continue narrating, man, because I don't want to continue energetic because I think we're, we're going in a good place, man. So, all right. Now, one, what were you doing in Atlanta like this whole this whole time? I know you were studying for that long. Like, were you were you were you working still? Were you hustling? I was um me and my homeboy. I had just finished college. One of my my freshman roommate at A&T, my boy Willie. Mm-hmm. I um me and him was gonna get a place together in Atlanta. So I moved to Atlanta. Like I graduated, literally graduated, put my stuff in a U-Haul, drove to Atlanta. Didn't have nowhere to stay. Didn't have nothing. I'm like, so I'm gonna stay with him and his his parents, which are like my parents, until we find a place. Mm-hmm. And. I hadn't found a job or anything because at this point I didn't have a car. I was just waiting till we get settled and I was going to figure it all out from there. So I had a little bit of money saved up from, you know, some of the, the hustling I used to do in college. Mm-hmm. And I was just there, man, like living at my homeboy crib, just socked away in a room, 
eight, nine hours a day just studying, bro. Mm. And side note, before we get to this, this, this the, the transformation, though, I want I want the audience to walk because you were pretty pretty gifted athlete in college, right? Oh no, yeah, no doubt. So, and especially in both sports, like, what, what, what would you consider your best sport? Baseball. After it was all said and done, and the smoke cleared, I was a better football player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I went to school on a baseball scholarship. Um, played for four years. And my last year, I was sitting in my room, man, and I never forget this. We got beat by Winston Salem State. They beat us thirteen. To, I think it was thirteen to six. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize. I said, you know what? I can play football. And I called the football coach, and I was like, Hey, coach, man, I'd have won that game today. He was like, Man, you need to get on the team because he was trying to recruit me out of high school anyway. Mm-hmm. He was like, You need to get on the team. Only thing with that is like compliance is a beast in college, man. So I had to make sure I was in compliance with all the rules, all the routines. I had all the right credits. But I ended up getting on the football team like midseason and starting quarterback. Senior year. Senior My last year, bro, I ended up starting quarterback my last year after not playing football for five years. <laughs> and that's when it, it dawned on me. I was like, you know what? I might have been a better football player this entire time. Wow, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. Why, why, why was your baseball your main sport? Because growing up, that was your focus? Growing up, it was, um, you know, like there was just always this level of prestige around who I was as a kid. I was very precocious as an athlete. And at the age of 12, people were like, oh, my God, Raymond, which is my daddy. And they're like, yo, you got a ticket. This kid is going to be a star for decades to come. And we just bought into it. And the one thing with me is I was a four-sport athlete in high school. Like, I was, I played baseball, played basketball, played football. And when we didn't have baseball games, I ran track. So I was like, if I could just pick one sport and focus on it, then I'll get 20%, 30% better. Mm-hmm. And baseball was just a sport because, you know, you, you buy into this thing about football. The hell, you, you know, you're a 5'9", 5'10", quarterback. You're too small. But that's not the truth. It's what you believe you can do. And unfortunately, I didn't get that level of thinking until it was almost too late. Mm. Got you, man. I just had to. I know I had to ask about it, man. That. So now let's take us to. Let's take us to. All right, you're in Atlanta. You're in your room. You're around 23, 23 years old, twenty three, twenty four, and you're like, yo, what am I about to do with my life, man? How am I working my relationships and all this other stuff? So what was your next steps, man? Next step was, like, once once me and my homeboy, this is about one, two months in, and we never found a place. We went and looked for some different stuff, and I was like, ah, right, you know what? This thing ain't working out. So me and my homeboy, you know how you start to get that tension with people? Like, the conversation ain't going good because y'all can't really figure out where you are, and I'm just sitting in his crib, and his parents like, hey, what George doing? Like, you going to work, he just sitting at the house. (laughs) 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 What's up? (laughs) So, and then I, so I'm like, me and him have a conversation. He was like, hey, G, man, like, I just, I just don't think now is the time because if it was, things would be going a little more smoothly. Mm-hmm. I agree with it. So I called my pops and I'm like, Hey pops, man, like I kind of need to come home. My pop was like, ain't you down there living with somebody else anyway? He said, you know, good. Well, you can come stay here with me. Uh huh. So I came home mm-hmm. and the day I came home, I kid you not, bro. I got a job coaching football at the high school. 
like twelve hundred dollars on the spot. I'm down there struggling to buy a box of cereal. Twelve hundred bucks on the spot. A week later, I get another job working at the state employee credit union. So I come home and like doors start to open immediately for me. And while working at the credit union, I I didn't utilize the job for what I should have. But I had access to a computer. I had access to an internet. I began to study the word of God, bro, as if I was going to preach to the world. (laughs) And, And man, it it literally it transformed everything that I thought I knew about who God was, who Jesus Christ was. And I started to get this real picture of this man, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, yo, this is one of the hardest brothers that has ever walked the face of this earth. I don't know how we get this picture of him that he's soft and, you know, he's well-groomed and he's nice and loving to everybody. I was like, this guy was, he was brutal. And if we can get a depiction of the true manhood and the nature of who Christ is, and not that I want to preach or anything like that, but I really want people to understand that there are these characters in life that we have to be able, we have to be able to truly get a real depiction of or else we can't formulate anything else in our framework for the rest of our lives like some things we have to know for certain and understanding who christ was was one of those things Mm, mm, mm. it's crazy it's a theme around this whole thing of a of course getting closer to god but two commitment to to study a uh, study something that's this this on your mind in order to get to, yeah. to, to, to help you get better because I, I want our audience because even i want our listeners to understand even if you don't identify with christianity whatever there there's purpose and if something's on your mind because the, here's the thing when something's on your mind you can do two things a you can either invest in it and ask questions and kind of go deeper or you can kick the can Exactly. And a lot of times, yep, go ahead, hit it. I'm sorry, and I was just saying, like, and that's what, uh, I I never want to punch anybody in the mouth of Christianity, but there are principles that work for people, no matter where you come from, no matter what you believe, and diligence and just a continual seeking to, until you find peace in a situation, I'm going to seek it until I find it. That's one of those principles that transcends everything. Mm -hmm. And it's easier than ever in society now not to do it because there's netflix there's instagram there's mindless conversations there's mindless calls there's a it's crazy right every time in life and i even even i go through this i'm not preaching at anybody even in my own life there's times where i'm like all right gee let's let's we need to revamp this website we need to do these press whatever and then i find myself just getting mindfully lost and stuff and your mind, your mind is like, yo, gee, you need to make this, make this change. And it's like, either you're going to get lost or you're going to get attacked and get engrossed in it, man. So tell us, okay, it's going back to your story with state employees, man. So you're at the bank and you end a word when you probably, I don't know what you, I don't know if you, I don't know if you doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you like that you're doing that, man. So what's the next steps, man? I begin to write. I began to journal, man. I had a journal and I just began to write scriptures in this book. And as I was writing scriptures, I would have these minor revelations and I would begin to write those revelations in the book. And then I began to formulate my own thoughts and my own sentences. And then I began to put dates with it. And what it essentially ended up being was 
it's almost like let's say we take a journey right and we don't know where we're going so we have this it's almost like i think it's like a little story of hansel and Gretel, where they're going on the journey and they leave little breadcrumbs as clues so mm-hmm. that they can get back home what i started to see was myself on paper it's like i'm writing letters to myself i'm like wow this is who i've been I'm like, wow, these are the ideas that I can have. These are the things that I can begin to accomplish if I only believe it. So the magic of writing began to compel me, man. And as I was enthralled by my own writing, what I began to realize was that people were becoming enthralled with the words that I began to say. I post something on Instagram. They'd be like, wow, man, that's amazing. Like, And the, the best res- comment or response you can get to a quote is wow. Well, people are just like, why? Like, I'm intrigued by the way that you think. I begin to write this stuff out, man. And I never had any, I never had any desire to write a book, to be quite honest. I, writing liberated my mind. It freed me from the prison that I was going through in my own mind. And I'm working there. I'm reading. I'm studying. I just used. I literally used to go to work every day at eight o'clock. I would shut my door. I would close my blinds. I would queue up the Bible. I would queue up YouTube videos. I would be studying. I would be reading. I'd be watching. I'm working in a call center, so I'm supposed to be taking calls. But you know, you know how that goes. Yeah. So if anybody, if anybody called the credit union from like 2013 to 2014, <laughs> and you, you know, you were just sitting on hold for 30 minutes, I apologize. Oh. <laughs> but man i was um i was totally intrigued at how a person could grow if they would literally eliminate every noise every piece of noise around them and just focus on growth Mm. so now we're we're in the lab it's 2014 um you're locked in, you're studying personal growth. And the biggest thing, I, cause I, I remember seeing quotes. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. Greg, I remember, I remember George, but I said, I, I, I was like, I'm feeling the quotes, but at the time I was like, I don't know what George or George, cause you know, sometimes people, they, they start, yeah. quoting, they start quoting stuff. It's like, hold up, niggas on the edge. I mean, cats <laughs> on the edge, bro. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah. yo, I, I'm feeling the quotes, but I said, bro, this is, this is heavy stuff, bro. Yeah, it was heavy. <laughs> and, and bro, at the time we 24, 25, and it's like, one of my homegirls saw me and she stopped me in the mall. She said, hey, G, are you for real or are you playing? And I said, what you mean? She said, I'm seeing what you posting. She said, I know you. She said, what you doing this to get some more girls? And that hit me, bro. I'm like, dang, like, this is what, like, this is my brand. This is what people <laughs> think about me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is what people think about me. Like, I want a woman so bad. I'm a. I'm so much of a player that I would go any length to attract a woman <laughs> into my life. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, wow. So for the first time, I was able to see myself through the through the eyes of other people, man. And it was eye opening. Mm, mm, mm. So take so yeah. So take us through. Okay, so now. We're, we're learning a lot. We're learning a lot. So when did you start applying some of this to your actual life to really start to change some things? More so, before we get from the outer perspective, maybe your job, et cetera, 
from your in your personal life because I know I I have this this uh this mantra and I one of these days probably sometime next year I want to preach this in a sermon about how sometimes we can become overweight like a lot of us are walking around overweight with information because we're not applying oh it. my like, god we just exactly. we we listening yeah. to stuff we having good conversations we we locked in we listening to podcasts we pumped up and we just overweight with all this knowledge because we not applying nothing man so okay you in the lab you reading you listening to it you. You putting stuff on Instagram. When did it start to seep into your life? I was um, I got to a point in my study. I filled up like two, three, two hundred page journals, and I was like, okay, all right, I, I gotta be, I gotta do something with this. I'm like about to explode. I'm at this credit union. I'm, I'm working in customer service. I'm literally making twenty one thousand three hundred and ten dollars. That's my yearly salary. It's pennies. And I'm like, man, I got to make some money. And I'm like, I got all this information. I love people. I got to get into sales. I apply. I didn't even apply. I had a young lady that was in my life at that time. And she and I had become friends. And she was like, hey, G, I seen this uh, job opening at Verizon Wireless. And I said, I had never even seen my resume at this point, but the job I got the credit <laughs> was because you know what I'm I ain't never I seen never, my resume. I, I love never it, man. Even seen my resume at this point. She was like, hey, send me a resume. I was like, I really don't have one. She was like, well, do you like you gotta have something? And I was like, well, my cousin did do this thing for me a couple years back for a class project that I had because I was a business major, so we needed a resume for a project. And I sent that to her. She typed it up. She sent it back to me. She was like, hey, this is your resume. I was like, all right, cool. I sent it in to Verizon, got a phone call, got hired. And I was like, you know, God, in my this is what got me hired. In my interview at Verizon, I told the women, I had done the math on this. I said, if I can make $33,000 a year, then I'll be, I'll be in heaven. The lady looked at me and she said, well, what about 60 or 70,000? And I paused for a minute. It froze me because I'm like, I don't know nobody that made $60,000. She said, what about 60 or 70,000? And I was like, yo, that'll change my life twice. (laughs) Everybody in the room busted out laughing. And they was like, yo, we knew in that moment that you were going to be one of the best hires we ever had. And Mm -hmm. I came on, bro. I became like one of the top salesmen in the company. and I was just shattering all these numbers that people said you couldn't hit. And it made me realize, I'm like, yo, this is the manifestation of locking yourself in a room, not allowing anybody to dictate who you are, what you can become, and just going out and living. Mm. So question right there to stay in this moment. What made you different than all the other salesmen, though, Why why you there? Because I knew somebody needed to hear this. Right. So what made you different, though? Like, how did you conduct yourself? What's, what, what were certain things that you were doing that allowed you to be that unique from all those other people? I just I just didn't believe I didn't believe in what they believed. The limitations that they have put on the demographic, the area that we were in. There's a there's a level that you can hit called windfall. And this is the the best of the best hit windfall. It's where you literally make so many sales in a month that the company starts to pay you on a like on a uh, they start to pay you detractors. So for every dollar you make, you've made so much money in this month that they only give you 50 cent on the dollar in the store that I was working in. Windfall was impossible. And I was like, it can't be impossible else. They wouldn't have it. So what it allowed me to do, man, I was making forty seven hundred five thousand dollars, four thousand dollars. Like I'm getting checks. 
for this amount every month. And they are like, oh, my God, how are you doing this here? Like, we work in the same store as you. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, like, I, this is just my level of thinking. This is my standard. This is who I am. I said, I don't know. I don't know how it happens. But, bro, when you just believe, like, there would be times where I hadn't sold a phone all day. We st- we close our store at eight o'clock. It's seven fifty seven. Somebody will walk in and they say, "Hey man, I need to add seven lines." It's it's just like there. It always works out, man. If you are just sold out and committed to an outcome, no matter what, I won't eat lunch today. I won't eat lunch tomorrow. I won't take a break. I'll hold this until the day until I go home. I'm not leaving the sales floor. And every day that I went to work with that mentality, something amazing happened. And after you compile those days together, you have a phenomenal month. You continue to compile those weeks together. You have a phenomenal two months. And before you know it, you're one of the top salesmen in the company, hitting numbers that nobody in this district has ever seen. Mm. And it, it was all a result of who I became when I locked myself into that room. So I do believe in locking yourself in. Like you said, I believe that there is a um, I believe that there is a time frame in which we should stock up on information because the winter is coming. We should prepare for the winter, but we got to understand that when we go out, whatever we learn is going to sustain us through the good days and the hard days. Mm. I think that's really in pivotal here because there's a lot of schools of thought to all this stuff. Right. And there's individuals that have been successful. Uh, doing a variety of tactics, but I think I I do see a shift online in what I I, I think people see, than rather than what really happens, because people see people that are working diligently, like they say that um that you can actively see working every single day, right? You're like, okay, cool. I just need to grind it out every single day, do X, and that's that's fine, that's great. But I do think there's a value in this stuff, in the stuff that people don't see. Like maybe it is eight. Eight to 12 months, maybe a year it takes for you not to be online, for you to really just studying and seeing what's working, what's not working, self-development, whatever it is like. And that's that's OK. Like, I think society has it in our head that is not OK to uh, to take. And I'm not I'm, when I say take a break, that means just chill, but to have have time. But I think I don't think society realizes a lot of the businesses that a lot of the icons that we look up to, like the uh, the billionaires, the millionaires, whatever. Yeah, a lot of them. Jobs, were, they, Tom Bell, you, those guys. They were broke for many years. It, for me, many. It, in many years, and they they were, they were broke, and they were just learning. They were taking time off, and even the people that weren't broke, there's people I know that I've read stories about that I know personally that have got hundred thousand dollar investments, but they didn't they didn't get a dime of revenue within the first couple of years. We don't realize that broke is a part of the process. Like there's something, there's something in being broke that allows you to remove all pretenses. It, it allows you to take all of the air out of your chest and you have to say, dang, can I really live this type of life? Do I really trust myself to be able to build this thing from the ground up? Am I really the right kind of guy for this? Because you really be like, man, I'm just going to go get a job. Like, I'm tripping. I thought that I thought I could do this, but man, nobody ever done this before. 
being broke puts you in a place, man, where the true wealth of who you are as an individual is tested. Mm. And if you can still show value when you literally have nothing to offer but yourself, then becoming wealthy is a cinch, man. Money is the easiest part of becoming wealthy. We got to first find the we got to find the attitude. We got to find the gratitude. And we have to find the ability to trust in ourselves and hone in in that faith when we can't see anything that we know is coming. Mm. It's crazy that trusting yourself part, because what I see and I've 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 did in the past, I, I honestly don't do any more. I trusted people's advice, what I've read in books more than what I trusted in myself. And people are like, okay, that's what you're supposed to. You're supposed to read. I get what you're supposed to read and do all this other stuff. However, I think sometimes we 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 want to trust everybody else's um, opinions on wealth building, opinions on X, Y, and Z, opinions on this, but we don't trust in ourselves enough to actually act on on stuff. Exactly. And to really live exactly. in it, like because when you when you are. When I and when we say broke, we're, just, we're we're talking about from a financial, but not like from a, a regular perspective. But when you are that, you can't you can't hide behind your job. You can't hide behind any factors, like you said. It's just you. But the thing is, to be real though, life is really just you. Because the money thing is a is a, is a is, is a concept uh, from society stuff, right? That's not exactly. that's not even really really real. Like you can't you can't put a hundred dollars just in your stomach and you're gonna live longer like it don't work like that but when you just realize like i i like if i can how can i grow as myself then you're gonna realize and become that person that whoever you're around you have no choice but to add value to and that's and what comes from value that's what that's what finances and money comes that's all that's all a transition a tra- a transition from value so now as we go back to your story from verizon and 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 working through that man uh what was the next step and specifically let's talk on your journey as far as dealing with going back to your story with um with women man because that's what one of the things that transformed me because i'm gonna be i'm gonna be 100 percent real there was a point where i know i was i I never was out here just wilding at pre after college or whatever but i know i was wasn't doing the right things still this day i'm working towards it but i go online i see your post i'm like bro i get off instagram i'm like man nah bro i can't read that man that just go i'm like nah bro i'm 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 I'm, i feel like i'm making (laughs) making progress and i see george i talk about yo if you don't if you x y and z i'm like bro Come on, George, bro. It's like that. Yeah. You can do better, so like, oh, you don't like what you what, right? Yeah. So like, talk talk to us about your transition, your growth with relations, because I think that's that's a huge part of your story and everything. And I think a lot of a lot of people can be blessed with it. I um, everything about my life has always been optimization, man. I want if if I got if I got ninety gallons in me, I want all ninety gallons. I don't want eighty nine and a half. I want all of it. And as I began to grow, I, um, as I said, I started to look at myself and I just remember a conversation that I had with my mom and she was like, mom, I don't know why I said mom with my mama. And she was like, son, I want you to take a week, sanctify yourself. Don't have no sex. Don't do nothing. Like just totally remove yourself from the arena of sexuality for just one week. This was at the age of 18, right? And, you know, we went to A&T, so ain't, ain't nobody talking about 
fasting from no sex, abstaining mm-hmm. from no sex. You feel me? We we going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I would I really wanted to do this for my mama, man. And I wasn't able to go seven consecutive days without any sexual activity until I was 25 years old. Good God, boy. <laughs> so I said, yo, something like I got a I got a problem. And I remember, man, like and people talk about the church, you know, people talk this, they talk that, man. But I gave my life to Christ. I'll never forget. It was January. It was January 2013. January 19th. It was a Saturday night. But I was laying in my bed jacking off. And for whatever reason, bro, the Holy Spirit was just convicting me. And I was like, God, I want to be better than this. Like, I'm a grown man. I just turned 25 a month ago. My Mm -hmm. birthday was on December 28th. Mm-hmm. I just turned 25. I'm like, man, I want to be a better person than this. Like, this is pathetic. The next day I go to church, man, my pastor says everything that convicts me to align with what I was saying. And that was the confirmation from that point, January 20th, 2013. For an entire year, I didn't have sex. I didn't masturbate. I didn't do anything. And it, it it's almost like I became a new person, like like a, like a snake sheds its skin mm-hmm. and it's shining and glistening. That's what happened to me, man. It was just like, oh my god! Like you see women, you see people, you see relationships with such a level of appreciation, man. That you're just excited to have an opportunity to be in close proximity to a young woman. So anything you ain't thinking about having sex with her, like. If my hand brushes across hers or she gives me a hug, there's a rush of dopamine that comes from that. Whereas before, man, I got to I gotta get it, eat it, flip it, running around, see what a homegirl talk about before I can feel any of this. Mm-hmm. I become a new, like I had chemically become a brand new person, bro. And I started to realize, I'm like, wait a minute. So that's why we wasn't supposed to do this until this point. Because you lose all of this. G.K. Chesterton has a quote, bro, one of my favorites. that says, before you remove any fence, pause long enough to see why I was put there in the first place. Bro, so many of us rush in without having the correct information, bro. And we're making decisions without adequate knowledge. It ain't that you got to... It ain't that it's bad to do something, but why are you why are you moving at all if you don't know whether you should go left, right, straight, or backwards, forwards or backwards? Why move at all? Society has taught us that if you ain't moving, you ain't you ain't growing. That ain't mm. true. Mm. Speak on that, man. If let's say let's say you called me and you said, "Hey, George, I need to know how to get to Greensboro." Mm-hmm. I need to know how to get to Greensboro. I say, hey, where you at? And you say, well, I'm in Durham. And I say, well, what are you doing right now? You say, I'm sitting still. After ten, And I say, all right, but let me call you back in 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And after 10 minutes, you kind of like, you're like, yo, what in the world, man? Like, this dude ain't hit me back yet. Like, <laughs> I need you to call me. And you just start driving. And I call you back. I say, bro, where you at? You say, well, I'm still in Durham, but I'm driving this way. I said, no, 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 dog, you're you going the wrong way. And you've drawn, you driven two miles out of the way, and now you need to make a U-turn, but on the opposite side of the street 
is a traffic jam and it's only a two exit traffic jam. So now you stuck for an extra 45 minutes because you couldn't wait 10 minutes for me to give you the instruction. Hmm. Hmm. That's what life becomes when we start removing fences before we know why they were there in the first place. Wow. So you took a year off and did you did you continue that or what was your stance after the year? Um, so what happened is I it was it was burned, it was uh it was literally burned in my mind that okay, sex before marriage not only is it sinful, it's detrimental in these ways. So I ain't wanting to throw nobody under the sin bus and send them to hell. I ain't yeah. sending nobody to hell. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a benefit in how you govern yourself. Just like if they say, hey, man, when you get a thousand dollar paycheck, don't go spend the whole thousand. Like there are principles involved that benefit you as a person. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of my life, if I don't get married for the, for 30 more years and I'm 60 years old, bro. Sex before marriage is always going to be something that I realize I'm not getting the best value from myself. I'm not giving the best value to this young woman. That will never change. I don't care how many times I slip up. It, there will never come a point for me when I believe that having sex with a woman before I make her my wife is the right thing to do for myself or for her. Mm -hmm. Now we get into what struggles are, which is another topic. So this just became a way of living for me. Not only did it increase value for myself, but it raised my self-esteem. It gave me more clarity. It gave me the confidence to speak truth boldly because I knew that what I was talking, I was living. I didn't need a refresher course. I didn't need to prep myself for meetings, for talks. I could just show up and I had it in me. I love that feeling, bro. I love being who I am every moment of the day. And it just compelled me to want to dig deeper into it. So when I finally got back into a relationship, I realized, brother, my ability to connect with this young woman is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Not only do I not only do I have the ability to love this woman, I actually like her. I've actually chemically connected to her. Think about it like this, man, like. Mm -hmm. God knew what he was doing when he created humans. Mm -hmm. So dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, all of these bonding chemicals that God uses, like dopamine is what addicts us to certain things. The dopamine rushes, the serotonin rushes, the oxytocin rushes, they all come in regards to proximity with, with people in relationships. Like this is how you love your mother, your father, but this is how you fall in love with your girlfriend, with your fiance, with your wife. If we have abused these chemicals for so long, then all we're doing is chasing our first high. So we're looking for the next hardest drug to make us fall hard again. Mm. So people become commodities. Once you commoditize humanity, bro, we are outside of the realm of what it even means to be impactful in life because we're not treating people as we should. Man, you speaking, bro. Once these thoughts started to infiltrate my mind, I started to look at, well, wait a minute, man. Like, this is when I really started to see how the enemy works in people's lives. Desensitize us. Flood us with so much information. Flood us with so many perversions that we don't see our bad as bad anymore. So if I walk into a store and I steal a piece of bubble gum, 
And I see on the news that a guy pistol whipped 20 people, shot a little kid and robbed a bank. I look at him as a bad person. But I'm like, I just took a piece of bubble gum. Mm. So we start to get a relative sense of what good means instead of the absolute sense of what good is. God chooses. God is the true north. That's the absolute good. But we settle for this relative good and in our eyes because we dehumanize everything and everybody. We feel like we're better people than the people that we quote unquote call bad. Man, there's a there's I, I'm not even gonna speak on that, man. That's 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 jewel after jewel right there, man. And how how what are some practical steps though for those that are in relationships before marriage or or um or that are, are seeking this to become get into better relationships and become that better man? Um stemming from your book, like what are some takeaways that we, our audience should take home like right now? Cause I do wanna break down, give a I know you shared a lot. That's probably in the book. Before we just, I want to do a deep dive in the book before we let, before I let you go. But what are some Absolutely. things right now that our artists could take away to build better relationships with people, and then more so for those for people one, and then the second is for those that are are in relationships. Start with the truth, man. Like start with the facts about who you are, what type of relationship you're in. And what you actually have. So, for instance, uh, my name is George Hines Jr. I like my preference is dark skinned women, athletic bodies, natural hair. Oh, that's great. George, what's your girlfriend look like? Well, my girlfriend is light skinned. She wear <laughs> weave and she don't really like to work out. OK. Somewhere, if you hadn't already hit a wall, you're going to hit it because what you just gave me and what you actually have don't align on any level. That's that's the physical presence. That's the practical sense. All right. My name is George Hines Jr. I like women who love family, who church oriented and want to have children one day. OK, George, tell me about your relationship. Well, the young woman I'm in, she didn't grow up in the church. You know what I'm saying? Her and her mom don't get along at all. She never met her dad. She don't speak to her sisters and she's career oriented. She doesn't really want a family. So, OK, George, what the heck are you doing? Are you sure you know who you are? Why don't you have the confidence to go after what you say you prefer? If we would just start with where we are, what I say I want, look at what I have, then we would start to say, okay, either I'm not serious about what I want or I'm just a liar. The practical step is always being real about today. What would I change today if I had the power to change everything? Who would I get rid of today if I had the power to get rid of anybody? Who would I bring into my life today if I had the power to go get anybody? And that's where you start. That's the practical step. And then there's this fear that comes of, dang, man, but if I do this, I'm going to lose this person. Dang, if I say that, then I'm going to lose this. For George, it's, dang, I know I like dark skin, athletic with natural hair, but my girl give good head. Mm-hmm. I don't want to let that go. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> So it's like, as much as I want that, there's some things. So now we're talking about the strongholds. Now we're talking about the things that cause us to go that extra 45 minutes when we only had to wait for 10. We removed this fence without seeing why it was put there in the first place. So we get attached to things that we don't even really want. 
there's just a reward attached to it that we can't seem to let go of. So now we're addicted to the high and we're not addicted to the person. So again, we've commoditized humanity. Mm. If people would be real about what they want, if people would align what they want with what they have, and if they would be literally, and I literally mean this, if they would be willing to cry through the hard nights because they do have an addiction, cry yourself. I man, bro, there were nights where I literally cried myself to sleep for weeks at a time because I just wanted to have sex so bad. I just wanted to pull up some pornography and jack off so bad. I cried myself to sleep some nights, but every morning I woke up thankful that I made it through another night. Mm. I think the hardest thing for us all is that we to embrace that it's going it's going to be difficult cuz especially yeah. when you especially when you think you're doing the right thing cuz a lot of times even like all right when you're growing up you do the right thing you, you oh good job man or you get a reward or you pat yourself <laughs> on the back but you as you get older now doing the right thing is dang paying his debt but dang it's going to hurt me or cutting off this chick well dang that that means that I'm not going to be able to, to do x y and z and it's yeah. like it, it's it's going to be and 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 the thing is a week after it's going to be like dang and then two weeks after, like, yo, and it's it's hard. But I think what you said, though, can be applied in every area of life, like stuff that we say we want. And then we have to look at who we are. Yes. And it, it, if it's like, if this is what you want, I know you want to b- make your business blow up. I know you want to do this. I know you want that. But who are you? But then if you type honestly who we are in in, in different areas and, and go back to your what you said at the beginning of the interview, to really ask those questions, because I think sometimes, and I had, man, we, I, it blew my mind. I was in Bible study one night, and it was like, it's good to question God. It's good to question and have discussions about scripture and meanings and stuff like that. Don't just take everything at worth value, because if that's the case, then you, you're you not going to become strong. You're just going to say, exactly. okay, go with what with the preacher says or go with somebody else tells you, but no study. Exactly. And, and if you do that, if we break down every area of your life, especially let's talk from a business context, the people that are listening Ask questions. Okay, why am I not giving getting revenue? Don't just say, "Oh man, it's a bad season." Nah, like, wh- why am I not? Why is it because of the people? It's because of my attitude. It's because my willingness to engage, to be online, or do whatever. Continue asking these questions, but I'll be real. It's hard to ask these questions. It's hard. It's hard, and and it separates the boys from the men, the the, the girls from the women in this regard because it takes discipline. Let's look at it from a sales perspective. Mm-hmm. I gave this. If I see 100 people in a day, I give the same sales pitch to 100 people. And I, I may go zero for 100 for that day, but it doesn't mean my pitch is bad. The next day I see 100 people, I give the same pitch. I sell everybody. We have to get we have to be so natural at what we do, at what we know. And there has to be a genuine connection to it. That once you do it, people are going to buy the authenticity of what you're selling unless they can't afford to or they are disciplined enough to know that they don't need it right now. But most people aren't that way. So when we're not growing in our business, it's always something that we can do differently. It's never the market. It's never the people. It like Even though it's not a good market, somebody 
in this world could sell snow cones in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Not the ideal place. That ain't where you would do it. Nobody would be selling coffee in Miami on South Beach, but somebody could. I'm talking about hot coffee. Somebody could. The fact that somebody could means that there's something I can always change. Now, you take what you can change and you put yourself in a conducive situation. You say, you know what? I'm going to take my coffee to Alaska. I'm going to take my snow cones to South Beach. Now you just increase your ability to earn more. So we have to harness what we have, but we have to be so good at what we have that in bad markets, we can produce good success. That's what the Bible talks about. You're going to be fruitful in every season. Because you're so good, you're so real, you're so authentic, you're so authentic that you cannot be denied. Hmm. And I think this whole notion revolves around truth. It, bro, my God. Bring it home, bro. That's it. Because even with, and it's, it's crazy, you said that in the market that says, uh, you look at a person that in his in, in reality, he should not be buying no cell phone. He should not be buying a book. He probably got forty dollars with his name. But if you if he's not operating in truth, you could be like you could you hey you pull up on him with friends, but hey everybody else is buying it. They might buy it, or you don't know the situation. But a lot of people not operating in truth, so they are gonna be like, all right, cool, let's get it. Like or let's, let's and 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 I think and you hit it on the head, and it's something that everybody can take away, and I'm taking away now, and I've taken away. I've been in. I've been in seasons where I operate in complete truth and in seasons where it was 99, but that complete is always better because when they, when you're operating complete truth, and I think you said it earlier, I want, but I want to repeat it because it's worth repeating. When you operate in any complete truth, you can show up anywhere, any way, any place and do your thing. Yes, sir. Regardless, because you have nothing to hide. You're not having no false pretenses. You're not trying to impress X, Y, and Z. You just who you are. And I mean, but we say that with a context. That doesn't mean if you just out here just reckless, then that's I mean that's gonna be your truth. Your truth gonna be in jail. But yeah, uh, yeah. but we but I mean for those of us that are especially for those that are on these platforms that are teachers, that are entrepreneurs, that are lawyers, whatever you do, operating in in your sense of duty. But let's pivot to your book, man, because um, I definitely want to address it head on. Can you break down the title? What was so? Why did you choose that title? I um I was looking back through my through my book, man. I was like, all right, what am I saying? Because I was gonna title the book Chronicles of Love, bro, which is actually one of the chapters in the book. That was gonna be the title of my book, Chronicles of Love, and the subtitle was gonna be from a man in love with God. But as I read through that book, I'm like, yo, what is this message? Who who is this character in this book? Who is this guy? And to sum it up, I was a strong boy. Because I was young, I was black, I was athletic. And if you look at the black community overall, most of our boys are strong because they're AAU stars, they're football stars growing up. They're they're, they're super athletes and they have a, a tremendous upside and potential. So people flock around them. Not only do people flock, friends flock. Not only do friends flock, women flock. Not only do women flock, like marketing and giveaways flock. So you get this sense of the world loves me and they want to see me succeed. That's not the case. The world don't love you or want to see you succeed. But the world sees that you have potential. And right now you're in your element. That's a strong boy. Fast Mm -hmm. forward 10, 15 years earlier. 
he gets hit by a snare. Grades ain't what they should be. His, he don't read on the high school. He don't read on the level that he needs to read on. The woman that he loved ends up breaking his heart because there's a bigger, better athlete somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now he's a fragile. Now he's a fragile man. The struggle with fragility and manhood is that we get, we're so macho a lot of times that we can't call a homeboy and say, "Hey, man, I can't stop crying, man. I, I just can't figure life out, man. I can't figure it out today, bro." And it ain't that our homeboy gonna have the answer. It's just that in our vulnerability, God gives us strength. Hey, dog, I can't I can't figure it out today, man. I can't seem to put this thing together, man. I just don't know. Everything was going great, and all of a sudden, I'm a different person. There is no worse feeling than being a big deal and then moving to a space where you're no longer a big deal. If you start out as a big deal, bro, you want to be a big deal for your whole life. Whole life. That's kind of the that's kind of the trap of athletics. I was a big deal my whole life, bro. And all of a sudden, because the context surrounding who George Hines Jr. was wasn't there, nobody that came with it was there. And I was left by myself. And nobody cared that I was feeling bad and nobody cared that my heart was broken. They were just like, hey, bro, I mean, we appreciate you while we had you. Hmm. That fragility. It, it it just it compelled me, man, like it, it just engulfed me and I was down and I was depressed. And I just remember saying, yo, I can't it can't be like this, man. Like I, I got to be something. I got to be something like I can't live without it. This is who I am. How do I become something that's real, something that's sustainable? Bro? And everything ties back to the truth. Mm. Mm. So what are some of the, the key truths that you hit on in this book? Um, at the core of my book, man, the key truth is being able to identify your habits. You got to be able to identify your habits. Like a lot of times, and and, I, and I, I'm giving a, a different perspective to people about how they see men. Because a lot of times, men, we get labeled as deadbeat. We get labeled as this. We get labeled as that. But the truth of the matter is, bro, for most of, most of us, no man, and I don't care how many women you've hurt, no man walks into a relationship saying, I'm about to crush this woman. We sincerely think, bro, that we about to go fall in love. She could be she could be wifey. This might be the one. What we don't realize, bro, is that no matter where on earth we go, we're going to be there. Meaning that if Rihanna showed up at my door today, dog, I still got to deal with George. And the prestige of who Rihanna is is enthrall- is compelling for a while. And it keeps me attentive for a while. But after I've grown accustomed to the new norm, I begin to be me again. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing in this book, bro, is I'm exposing all of the habits that cause us to become who we are and how hard it is to break those habits without some transcendent power. Mm-hmm. And there's a revolution that takes place throughout this book, man. And there are different, there are, there's a climax in the book, man, where there's this young woman that I want to be with and the opportunity that I have to solidify myself, my youth and my inability to be sound in my thinking caused my life to go into a spiral, bro. And this book is a cry from my heart for uh, one particular young woman that I was just, 
would have done anything to have in my life. I just wasn't the type of man to be able to get a woman like her. Man, I'm going to leave it right there. And we're going to, um, during the show, all the links to the book and all that stuff is going to be in the show notes. And that's real, man. But um, as we come to a close, I know I got a culture change round, rapid fire, answer questions. But I do want to, um, I got a couple more things before we even get to that. Uh, the first being, after after the job um, or you're working at Verizon, what 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 happened in between Verizon to now doing your own thing full time um, as a, as a change agent as an entrepreneur as an author? So Verizon, bro, I um I did exactly what the lady said sixty seventy thousand. I actually exceeded seventy thousand by a pretty substantial amount, and I hit that mark that all young people want to hit. You know that that well, I didn't get to a hundred thousand, but I was vastly approaching a hundred thousand had I stayed consistent. The old me started the show back up. You know, I went through this spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment, but now I got this money. So all the stuff that I did to get to this point, you, what I didn't realize was that I had to do more to sustain it. Mm, speak on that, man. I'm glad you opened that door because that's something that people don't talk about. Like you can go, you can go back. <laughs> you can. Oh my God! And the regression is it's abysmal in most cases. It is abysmal in most cases. And I, I and this is just me. I blame school for a lot of the way that we carry ourselves in life. You know, we, we go through and we get we take our finals and we get our college degree. How many people can sit for their finals two months after the day of finals and still pass it? How many people can sit for their finals a year after and still pass it? A very small percentage of people. And it's because we don't stay abreast in the knowledge that we gain. It's not a one off. I can't have body of the year in 2017 and go eat Debbie cakes the whole year and come back in 2018 and win. We have got to do the work to sustain. And I just didn't do it, bro. I was making money. I was, you know, I got $5,000 in my pocket. I got 10,000 in my bank account. I got 12. uh, I got another 1200 coming today. I got another 4,000 coming next week. I wasn't tripping. I was doing whatever I wanted to do, man. 500 here, 600 there. I got a girl. You know, I'm calling chicks and we, you know what I'm saying? We going to spend $1,500 at the mall. I'm splurging and doing all kind of stuff. I totally misplaced all the principles I had, bro, because success really exposes who you are. It exposes the true you. And I ended up getting a relationship, bro, and it, it, it was almost the death of me. And I, when I say almost, I literally mean death. Uh, it, it was almost a, a fatal encounter. And I had to pull back. And I said, okay, God, I see what happens when we take you for granted, when you bless us, and we take our blessing and we use it all for ourselves. I want to be in covenant again. And the part about that, bro, is when you come back, you have to make a different level of sacrifice. Can't come back with the same thing you came with in the beginning. It's just like when you, uh, let's say you and your girl got a great relationship and you cheat on her. You can't come back with them same lines. You got to do, you you do a little bit more, G. Hey, George, I heard that the first time, but it ain't going to work this time, baby. And that's what it was for me, man. Hmm. Man, man, I leave it there, man. That's, that's real. I think that's, that's, I had to, I, I learned that 
this past year because I know 2017 was my a, a groundbreaking year for myself. And people have heard about it on the last couple of episodes where everything I thought it was really about to blow, man. We got a lot of crazy big gigs, international gigs, doing some stuff. But there was some things that I just failed. I ignored. I left in the closet. And I was like, yo, I'm not working on that, man. This is I, nope. We're not even going there. I didn't even address. I felt, I felt like we, have, we, we, we were beyond that. But then they came back again. I was like, this is like the third time. Like, it always happens. Like, I keep boom, boom. But I think you said something deep is you you have to do more to sustain it. Like, I was doing the same thing. Okay, cool. I, I'm going to do, I'm going to continue doing X, Y, and Z. Be good. Now, nah, you have to do more to sustain once you level up. Like, just doing the same things, it, it don't work like that because there are going to be new obstacles. And that's the like this is the thing. My my old obstacles, I I I, I we, we killed them, we demolished them, but I wasn't prepared for these new obstacles and what they really look like. So um, I definitely can't wait to to I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna definitely get a book. Definitely can't wait to grab it. And it's the only place you can get it on is, is on Amazon, or do you have a, a other website where you can get, it, or is it just through Amazon? Oh uh, yeah, right now everything is just through Amazon. So I'm I'm working on getting it in some more channels, but right now it's, it's Amazon. Okay. 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 So as we as we get to close, man, what does the future hold, man? What's what's next for you in twenty eighteen, Doc? Um, what's next for me, man, is like I, I'm a salesman by trade, right? So I'm I'm a product guy. This book, dude, I, I kid you not, man. And I, I hate sometimes I hate to say it because it's my book, and I don't want people to think I'm hyping it because it's my book. This piece of work that God has allowed me to do, bro, is is going to be a generational change agent, and I kid you not, bro. So I'm taking this book, dog, and I'm about to grind. Like, I'm employed by my book for this next year. That's it. All the speaking engagements that come, this opportunity with you. Man, I've been trying to get on your, I've been wanting to get on your podcast for, what, two years? And we was able to finally, finally get to work. Yep. I finally was able to do something that merited me calling and saying, hey, Greg, how can we do this? I want to work with you. Mm-hmm. I want to be on the on the uh, Trailblazer on Trailblazer podcast, but like I want to be there. I see what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. It took me doing something that I could believe in, bro. That gave me the confidence to finally call you, and the timing had to be right because I'm here. Mm-hmm. Hey man, when I tell you, bro, with your with your, it's something about people that. Especially for the country, man. Country guy, country cats, man. They get it once they once they get it. Like that's what I tell all these cats. That's why corporate American don't be hot, don't be, don't be. They rock with country, but they don't really rock with country because when you know when you get a country folk in in the building, bro, and they get to understand the metrics and how it really work, then the game it's changes. Over. <laughs> it's over. Like, bro. Once, once I'm telling you, dog, and I'm so glad you said that, bro. Once I learn the systems of success. I got the passion. I got the right amount of charisma. I got all, once I learned the systems of success, and I don't focus so much on what you said in the beginning. Like, dang, I'm better than him. I'm, I got I got more substance than him. I'm a better storyteller. I'm a better speaker. I got more passion. Once I humble myself, bro, and I'm able to listen, like you were saying, and really say, you know what? Let let me allow him to teach me. Let me invest two thousand dollars in his program so that he can show me his system. Because once he shows me his system and I grasp it, like you said, bro, it's over. Mm, 
Man, so this uh this is I'm glad we got you here first, man. Uh we 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 gonna expose it and I, I, I'm I'm excited for what God has planned for you going forward, man. I tell everybody, and this is one thing, uh I'll let y'all know my personal study. One thing I'm working on because when I, I like you said, let's go back to that comment. I really and to this day, still struggle at times, but I really used to be like certain cats was like, yo, these guys ain't even real. I know these guys. And they be on stage talking because, yeah. and I'm like, bro, I, I know you do. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced, whatever. But then God was like, hold up, G. I'm not just a guy to you, yo. Like, this blessings for everybody, dude. Like, so if you love, if you say you truly love me, you gotta love that dude. Like, I don't, I, you, you can't, you can't be like that. Like, you just worry about getting better. But whatever they doing, you love it. I mean, of course, I'm not saying that. If I know you phony, then that doesn't mean that oh, I'm just yeah. rocking. But for the no most way. part, you don't know everybody because there's certain things, like you said, there's certain things about your life that you phony right now. So it's like, don't, yeah. don't, don't go on that. Focus on you right now. Do what you need to do and and curate a a aura about you that know that you're a real dude. So then you can you don't have to really worry about that energy, man. So. Um, it's culture change around. I got five questions. Give me rapid fire answers, and then we move on to the next subject. Man, you ready to rock? Let's do it. Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Uh, learn how to love a woman. Hmm. Mm, that's that's a whole different podcast too, because you know, growing up, we talk about everything about women, but we we never. I know I love, I love my dad, but he not, he never said yo G. <laughs> Let's let's learn how to love a woman, or let's talk about how you love a woman. Heck no! <laughs> Never said it. Never heard. Uh, it. Uh, if you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Acting now and not overthinking. Mm-hmm. And then, what would you take away? Um, I would take away the doubt. Uh, a lot of times, we want to we want to make sure something is great before we show it to the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it's crazy that as you get longer in this journey, even myself is like, by the time you like, by the time you wait for something to be great, it's like there's so much stuff you you could have got along that way. Exactly. It's that it's like it's like waiting for to at the right moment. Like I think you probably talk about it, but waiting for the right moment to find the girl of your dreams or to become the person you need to be. If you keep waiting on that, you you gonna be waiting till death instead of just like start yeah. working where you right now. Like you said, you gonna have back. So like even with your journey with say um, respecting women and and not in the, in the sex thing, you gonna have you gonna have moments where you mess up. But that that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't shouldn't strive to move forward because you waiting for it to be that perfect guy. That that sometimes that ain't gonna really come. Exactly, and, and perfection perfection is one of the greatest enemies. Like you don't you don't want to just be pathetic and apathetic. You you want to grow, but perfection is a bigger enemy than just being trifling. I think. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite book or movie, and why? My favorite book is um, "Think and Grow Rich." I, I like I like the ideas in it. I love the um, the way that you can make things happen. My favorite movie is my favorite movie is Social Network. It's pretty much the story of how Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook. Why is that your favorite movie, man? That's interesting. It's, there's just uh, one line in it where Mark Zuckerberg and Eduardo Silver 
are sitting in a restaurant and they're talking to the guy who's playing Sean Parker. And he says, you know, you guys, he says to him, he says, you know, a million dollars is not cool. And then, of course, the music and Hollywood does their thing. He said, you know what's cool? A billion dollars. He's like, that's where you guys are headed, a billion dollar valuation. And that just sums up our generation where you have guys like even Evan Spiegel, 26 years old, create Snapchat, become a first generation billionaire. Mark Zuckerberg does it. Jack Ma does it. Like we live in a world where people who had nothing are controlling amounts of wealth that are changing the landscape of who we are as humans. Mm, 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 mm. Fourth thing, what is your biggest fear? My biggest fear has always been inferiority, not being enough. And that's why I go so hard, bro. Mm. And the last question of the culture change round, man, if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Um, if I were the president of the United States, the first thing I would do, bro, to be quite honest, is I would sit down, and I literally mean sit down on the road, and I would ask people why they're hurting. Like I, I would have, I would call in the people, like as many people from different walks of life as I could, because for some reason we don't see people from other walks of life as human individuals who are looking for the same things that we're looking for. So I would, um, Humble myself to the lowest possible level, bro. If I even had to take off my socks and shoes and sit Indian style, I would take that position, that office, and I would want to be present. I would present myself as so humble that people would begin to let their guards down so that we could just have a true conversation about what it means to be human Mm. in the greatest country of in the greatest potential country in the world. Mm. Yeah, 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 man. So, um, as we as we as we end this podcast, man. Um, before we actually get your shout outs and stuff like that, as far as your links, man. I always end this show with this one question, man. Um, everybody that comes on the show is a culture change agent in their own right. They're doing their thing, and this question revolves around that, man. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African American culture, uh, what would it be and why? If there's any one thing I could change about African American culture, it would it would be um, pretty how we how we see ourselves in regards to relationships. Um, we gotta we we're not servants anymore in our culture. Everybody wants to be on top. Nobody wants to be Scottie Pippen, man. And I think that's um it's becoming such a detriment to our culture because we have some great abilities and if if young men could begin to understand what it means to be single how do i become a single man and he can never figure out what it means to be in a relationship and then you got the ripple effect so i'm a single now i'm in a relationship now i'm in a community now i'm in a city now i'm in a state now i'm in a country now i'm in uh on a continent the ripples that we send out, what essentially ends up happening is, bro, like we're just we're sending tidal waves in different places and we're killing each other. Mm. 
man, that's deep, dog. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. So as we as we conclude, man, how can our audience keep in touch with me? Like, where can we find you at online? Where can we get your book at? Like, what's what where what's all the uh, the links and everything else? Where can we find you at? So it, the everything with me is George Hines Jr. The links for everything uh, is in my bio on Instagram. I have a website that I'm getting rebuilt. It's georgehinesjr.com. Um, so that's it, man. I I just. And with people like me, I always tell people, I say, hey, leave comments, man. Like, I think sometimes my message can be a little intimidating because I guess it sounds judgmental. But I'm a regular guy with big time problems who has just decided to pursue greatness at any cost. Mm. Say no more, man. Say no more. Well, I know that you blessed me and I know Minority Trouble as a nation will definitely be blessed by this content that you dropped on this man. For And, and I, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you for giving us well over an hour of your time, man. It really just be as honest, vulnerable as possible and just share your real journey, man. I appreciate you for having me, bro. Like, hey, I'm telling you, I feel like uh, this feel like Oprah to me, dog. I've been wanting to get with you for a long time. Hey, man, I'm excited, man. And my Nota Trouble Nation, you heard that. And the last two things I want to tell you before we end, my Nota Trouble Nation, you already know, subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and make sure you're changing the freaking culture. Good night.